Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, I need you to turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, and we're going to be looking in chapter number one. Hebrews chapter one, we're going to be looking at verses one through three tonight. And if you had to put a title on uh, this message, it will be a very simple title. Oh, what a savior. One of my favorite songs is uh, entitled that, Oh, What a Savior. I started thinking about that and, uh, as I was uh, studying, preparing. And, uh, you know, when you start really thinking about what that means, you can't help but get happy. Apparently, y'all have not put a lot of thought into that because you didn't seem too happy with that. You do understand what he has done for you. You understand that you were dying in your sin. You were bound for hell. But the Lord Jesus, because of his wonderful mercy and his grace, plucked us up. Can we not say, oh, what a Savior. Oh, man, I'm telling you, that's precious to know that he is our Savior. Well, here we are, uh, as we uh, look in Hebrews in the first chapter, the writer of Hebrews, uh, and there's some different views on that. Some say it's the Apostle Paul. Others said uh, it's uh, someone else, and I'm not here and going to spend a whole lot of uh, time with that. Uh, And I know it does matter, but it really doesn't matter. It's still the Word of God, right? And so here, the writer of Hebrews... And we're going to see three things tonight. First of all, we're going to see the revelation. The revelation of God. Listen what he says and how he starts it off. He says, God. I I like that. (laughs) Notice here, uh, at least in the text, there's a a comma there. It's like uh, God. He just kind of stands by himself, doesn't he? One of my favorite songs that I've come to, to really enjoy is that, uh, that one, uh, The Beautiful Name of Jesus. And, you know, you hear it on the radio quite a bit now. Uh, and, one, and one of the greatest, I always get stirred. We, we just did that not too terribly long ago here in church. And uh, that uh, little uh, verse that says, he has no rivals and he has no equals. He stands alone. Look, look, he says, God. Notice here, he's he's not trying to prove the existence of God. He's just putting it out there and saying, there is a God. Okay? He says, and God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets... So the first thing that we're going to see tonight is we're going to see the revelation of God. Now, as I made mention, uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, in the church, uh, the Judaizers, there was a lot of uh, Jews had been saved and gotten into the church. But now, uh, for various reasons, they're starting in, in chapter number two, it says they start drifting away. They're, they're reverting back to going back to the law that held them in bondage. 
And, and here they've been hearing of grace and, and hearing about what Jesus Christ has done for them. And so uh, for many reasons, and we don't have time to get into all of that, they're starting to get away from that and, and drifting away. And so the writer is reminding them, he's encouraging them. When you go to the 13th chapter of Hebrews, in verse number 22, we see that this is a, this is a letter written to them to encourage them, hey, Jesus is all all you need. It's Jesus. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. And you'll say, well, that's back uh, in the time. We don't have that problem. We still have that problem in the church today. Because we're, we're, we have things. Now, we have good intention. We're not uh, intentionally trying to, to mess things up. But if we're not careful, and that's the reason why we have to stay on guard, and we got to make sure that what our children are getting in the classroom, what our teenagers are getting in the classroom, what our Sunday school classes are teaching, we need to make sure that we're staying in the Word. Staying in the Word, because I'm telling you, Satan want to do, will do everything he can, and the world, before you know it, will come and start dictating how we do church. And so here, he says, here's the revelation of God. But notice, as he starts off, verse number 1, he says, God. That reminds me of Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning, God. And then we also see in John uh, chapter 1, verse number 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And so here, uh, and I have no problems with, with apologetics, you know, and defending the faith. I, uh, you know, I'm not smart enough to, uh, to, uh, to do all that and, and go with the intellectual crowd and try to show them uh, that God does exist. Here's what I've come to. Uh, I'm just very simple. And I just take the word for what the word says. There is a God. And he's been revealing himself from the get-go. And he still is revealing himself. So when he says here that he revealed or he, he spoke uh, in times past, we understand when you look at the, the Word of God, that the Word of God helps us to understand that God has always been and God has always revealed Himself, but He has revealed Himself in different ways. Because the text here in verse number 1 says, and in various ways or, or, or different types of manners. We understand that God spoke uh, to Moses there on the mountain. We understand that Elijah, uh, God spoke uh, there when he sent fire down. We understand that they had visions. Uh, Daniel and Ezekiel had visions and God spoke uh, through them many times over. And so we see, here's what we, uh, or call, we call it progressive revelation. But be careful because progressive revelation means not what a lot of people are saying it means. For instance, if you, if you encounter a Mormon, a Mormon would start a conversation like this. Well, what do you think about a Bible study? Of course, you'll say, well, yeah, I think Bible studies are good. Well, let me ask you this other question. Do you think that God has spoken to man? Of course, of course He has. He, he spoke through a burning bush. There's all kinds of ways. If you look back, he spoke 
uh, in the tabernacle. He spoke in the temple. He, uh, he spoke and here the scripture in verse number 1. It says he spoke by the way of the prophets, Daniel and Isaiah. and uh, We can go on through the list of how he spoke through them. But very careful. Here's what they're doing. They're setting it up. And you'll say, well, does he still speak today? Well, of course he still speaks today. And here's what they'll do. They'll take you all the way back to Moses. God spoke to him. God spoke to Isaiah. And go on the list. And then they'll bring Joseph Smith up. Because you see, they believe he's a prophet of God. That is, that, that, that is not... We need to understand God, yes, has revealed Himself and He's revealed Himself in a progressive way. But when Jesus comes on the scene, that changed everything. Okay? So, uh, the, but we go on and we see uh, he's, uh, John MacArthur. Now, I don't like a lot of things that John MacArthur uh, has to say, but I, I like this. He's talking about religion and a relationship. See, here's what we need to understand. When you go back to the Old Testament and you go back to uh, Judaism, uh, they were making an attempt to get to God. Matter of fact, man has done that from the very beginning. They've always looked at ways to get to God. And John MacArthur said it this way. He says, now man is like, picture yourself if you will, that man's in a box and he's trying to get to God. But he can't get to God. Why? Because he's in a box. See, that's a religion. They're trying to get out of the box to get to God. But here's a relationship. A relationship is God gets in the box with you. It's pretty good. Even though John MacArthur said it, it's still pretty good. Some of you will get that a little bit later on if you read a lot of his commentaries and whatnot. You'll understand he has a different view on some things. But... That's exactly what God has done. God has been trying to speak to man from the very beginning. And so he goes on and he says that in this revelation, understand that in Moses, Moses spoke and said that it would be a seed of a woman. We then see Micah. Micah names the place where he's going to be born. Isaiah, Isaiah talked about he will be a suffering servant. And so now we move in uh, to verse number 2. Now we've moved from Revelation. God has, has been speaking in various ways to man. But now this revelation is going to stop. There's no more progression. Now what we're looking for is illumination. Okay? And, and we're, we're going to use the illustration. Hopefully it'll make a little bit more sense to you. But look at verse number 2. And so he says, and he hath in these last days. See, the writer of Hebrews understood that they were in the last days. May I add to the fact, we are in the last days. I say, well, Brother Mike, it's been so long. We've already talked about this. No man knows the time. Now, no man knows the hour. We understand that. But the Bible is quite clear is that Jesus himself says you can know the season. We're in that season. And so he says, he hath in these last days, talking about us, he said he has spoken unto us by his 
Son. Okay. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things. By him also he made the worlds. And so now we move from revelation. Now we can look into the incarnation. And here's where progressive revelation has to stop. Because you see God spoke in these various ways. We've already looked at that. But when Jesus comes on. Jesus is revealing himself because the Bible tells us in John 1, 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, see, in the Old Testament, all of that was a shadow. When Jesus comes, he's the substance. Okay, but not only that is that he's, they've been saying, and when you look at the Old Testament, they could not see God. Now, God revealed himself in the cloud and, and all that, but they couldn't see God. But now, Jesus, when he became flesh, now you can see him. Right? So he has revealed himself. And the Bible says he's revealed himself in all of his glory. And now we come from the Old Testament, which is a shadow. Now we move into the New Testament. And now we don't hear from God in visions or dreams. We don't have encounters with burning bushes. And we don't need any of that. Why? Because we got Jesus. Okay? And so when Jesus comes, there's no longer revelation but now we have illumination. Let me, and, and I forgot to bring uh, my cell phone. It's probably a good thing. But you remember when uh, they come out with the new iPhones? Y'all remember that when uh, they would have these little commercials and they would hold the phone up and said, Hey, uh, on August the 10th, whenever it was, in your local stores, you'll be able, we're going to reveal the new iPhone. Man, people were just chanting. I mean, they're lining up. You know, they were camping out and doing all kinds of silly things for a silly phone. But this phone was going to revolutionize technology. It's the greatest thing that it can ever happen to man, technology speaking. So they would show the phone and says, Now, on this date, we're going to reveal this phone. And so you went and you went and spent three, four hundred dollars six, seven hundred dollars whatever you spend for the phone. Uh, when I go into a plan, I get the free phone. And you get what you pay for, okay? That's all right. I can't do a lot of things on my phone. Uh, I can barely uh, text and I can barely answer the silly thing. But uh, anyway, so everybody had to have one of those, right? And so they revealed that thing. You went and bought it. And you started looking at it and you started to realizing as you, uh, you started to, to invest in it. When you started, you know, saying, well, what does this do? You, you started to invest yourself in it. You started to get into your phone and say, wow, I didn't know this. Now, all of that had already been there, right? It wasn't revealed to you. The phone has already been revealed to you. But when you start spending time with it, then you realize, oh, you didn't get new revelation. You got illumination. Be careful when somebody comes along and says, I got a new revelation from God. No, they don't. We don't need a new revelation from God because we have his holy word and his word has revealed everything we need to know about him. Here's our problem. It's not revelation. It's illumination. And the only way you can get illumination is by getting into the Word of God and finding out what's in the Word of God. 
So here, when I'm talking, when you hear progressive revelation, that's exactly what the Mormons will lead you to believe. But they believe that this prophet, Joseph Smith, who, by the way, was a drunkard, scam artist, had to be run out of town. He didn't move because God told him to move. He could because the law was after him. Uh, you can talk about And the last time I had a conversation with the Mormons, uh, I, you know, I brought that up. And I'm going to tell you. But in their eyes, they think that he is just as great a prophet as... Isaiah or any other ones that we made mention of because they had a new revelation. Isn't it interesting that uh, when you have these these wackos, and and I'm trying to be kind here, but these wackos that come and they have a new revelation. But notice they never have a new revelation from Gandhi. They never have a new revelation from uh, Dalai Lama. They always say they have a new revelation from God. I find that quite interesting because you see that's all nothing but satanic attacks on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They're not attacking Dalai Lama. They're not attacking Sung Yung Moon because none of them have uh, anything to say about they died but yet they rose again. They never can come around and say that they had deity. Muhammad, who was the founder of Islam, he never once said that he died and rose again. Isn't it interesting that they always say they have a new revelation from God? But yet, when you look at the Word of God, the Word of God has not changed. It's the same yesterday, the same today, and it will be the same tomorrow. See, when you have truth, you don't have to change truth. And so what happens in these other cults and false religions, you start studying, you will see they've had change after change after change after change. Jehovah Witnesses have had to change their doctrine because some things didn't pan out the way they said that it was going to be. And some questions will be raised. That's the reason why Mormons will sometimes come uh, into a, a church like ours because they want to know uh, and then if they hear something... Uh, Uh, they'll go back to their elders and say, hey, what about this? And so if they can't figure it out, they'll just go ahead and change their doctrine. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad that we have trusted in a a Lord, uh, we have trusted in the Word of God that never changed and will not have to change. You can take it. It's guaranteed truth is always truth. And then he says, now there was some illumination here. But... Then there's description. And this when it gets good. Look at verse number three. So he said, God has revealed himself. We now see that not only has he revealed himself, but uh, we see now illumination. But then he says, there's description. Who's he describing? He's describing the Lord Jesus. He says, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Now, this is what got Jesus in trouble. When Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. That infuriated them. By the way, you usually don't have an argument over God. 
If you just talk about God, you know, most people are on board with you because they, everybody believes in something. Now, their God might not be the same uh, God that we serve, but you, don't, you usually won't get in trouble just talking about God. You won't get in trouble talking about the Lord Jesus because uh, even uh, Josephus, who was a non-believer uh, Jewish historian, uh, he even uh, showed uh, the, the proof that there was a, a Jesus, the historical Jesus. See, you don't get in trouble with a historical Jesus. Even the History Channel doesn't have problems with that. But they have problems when you start to say he was God. When you start talking about his deity, that's when they'll say, you don't know what you're talking about. That can't be right. They'll accuse you of believing in many gods. See, there's some that don't believe in the Trinity. They believe you're believing that your, your, your thought is that uh, there's three different gods. We all understand that uh, he is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. Now, do not ask me how to explain that and break that down. I've heard the saying that if you try to explain the Trinity, it will drive you insane. You just accept it by faith. I mean, I mean, is any, have you had, I mean, we have all kinds of illustrations. I understand that. But when it all boils down to, I can't wrap my head around that. I just trust he is who he says he is. So he goes on, he says, the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, by himself. Notice here, by himself. What did he do by himself? He purged our sins. It didn't say that, Oh, uh, well, you got to be baptized. No. You know, baptized, you're baptized because you've been saved. You're not saved because you've been baptized. Because he here says here, he says, Jesus took care of this by himself. And he purged our sins. And, and he's now sitting down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I started thinking about the description of God and I started coming, just jotting some things down. And, and I started to think about, you know, and, and understand where the context here is that, uh, uh, that uh, Jesus uh, did not author any books. But yet, the best-selling book ever is all about Him. Amen. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yep. The one who never authored any books... But the best-selling book ever and still is, is all about Him. About Him from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Well, we understand that as far as we know, He never wrote any songs. But there's thousands of songs that are sung about Him. I started thinking about uh, that He's uh, been called uh, uh, the Rock he, he, he was the rock that the church was built upon. He's the rock of my salvation. The psalmist tells us that, and uh, using the illustration of that, he, he set his foot upon the rock. But yet, Jesus didn't go to school and study geology. Then I started thinking about uh, that in Revelation chapter 5, he's referred to as the lion 
and the Lamb. But yet he does not have a, a, a degree in zoology. Then I also started to think that Herod couldn't kill him. Satan could not seduce him. And the grave could not hold him. Here's what the author is saying. First and foremost, he says, God has revealed Himself. He's revealed Himself in the past and He's revealing Himself now. Not only has He revealed Himself, but we understand that He took on flesh and bones and came and dwelt among us. But then we see in verse number 3 that he tries to describe him. Now, I don't know about you. and I could, We could go on all night talking about he's the Rose of Sharon. and We could go and talk about he's a, a writing morning star. And we could have all these titles. And we can talk about uh, how he's, uh, he's uh, uh, the creator. And here in the Bible it says that he created all things. And we see in Colossians 1, 16 through 17, how... Uh, we also see it in other references here that he made all things and everything that was made was made by him. But not only did he make all things, but he also can sustain all things. Do you understand that? Now, sometimes you think your world is uh, caving in, but I got good news for you. If you've placed your life in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, he can hold it together. Not only has He created it, but He's holding it together. And then we can go on and talk about how He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. We can go on and see the psalmist, how they praise Him, how His name was so holy that they had to come up with other names for Him. When you start studying the Scriptures and you start seeing how they would praise Him. And John, John, he talks about there in Revelation. He says that uh, He was high and and He talks about His glory. He talks about His splendor. And He talks about uh, how uh, there will be no need for the sun or the moon because the brightness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be our light for all eternity. We can go on and on talking about and trying to find words to explain how great a God that we serve. We can talk about how He's majesty. We can talk about He's reigned. His garments are white. And we can talk about His eyes are like fire. We can talk about His uh, feet are brazen. We can talk about how just Him mentioning just the spoken world created what we know is the universe. But there's coming a day uh, in Revelation when we come back with Him and when He speaks a word. He just had to speak a word and everything will be taken care of. We can go on and on in talking about how wonderful He is. We talk about His grace. We talk about His love and we talk about His understanding. We talk about He's sticking closer than a brother. We can say all of that, but the greatest word that we can use and the one that I dear to and I can't get over is I could just call Him Savior. Oh, what a Savior. A Savior who looked upon me dirty, foul, rotten, deserved death in hell, but He stood in my steed. Oh, what a Savior. We need to understand, and sometimes we get away from this. Sometimes we think that God owed us. He didn't owe us anything. But we owe Him everything. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my Master.
And here's what I've come to understand. When I act upon what I believe, everything else falls into place. See, when I love them like I'm supposed to love them, I'm going to love you like I'm supposed to love you. See, when I'm loving Him, I'm going to exercise grace because He exercised grace in my life. See, we, when we get this thing right and when we really camp down upon the fact that He is the creator of this universe, He's not some abstract figure, cosmic being out there. He wants to have an intimate, personal relationship Amen. with us. Amen. I don't know about you. I've been preaching and I've been teaching for quite some time now. I can't get over the fact. I can't get over the fact that the God of this universe wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with me. But that's what he wants. That's what he wants. So tonight, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're weak. You're, you're already looking to Friday. You're thinking, oh, Lord, if I have another day like I've had today. Some of you might say, oh, it's not just this week. It's been my whole year. And I can identify with that. I dare say that every one of us in this room has had some kind of an issue. Maybe we're working through something right now. But I got good news for you. This one that we call Jesus can take care of your need. He will get you through he will see that your needs will be met. And if we just love them the way we're supposed to love them, everything's going to work out. Amen. I thought about this every time I go to the nursing homes or the hospital. And when I leave those places, I have to, first of all, repent because of my little pettiness. You know, my back was hurting today. And I just left someone who has a terminal illness and said they probably won't leave the hospital. I go to Vanderbilt's Children's Hospital and I thank God for my children, for my grandkids. I love them. Amen. And I have to leave there saying, Lord, forgive me. I got healthy grandkids. I just left a room where they don't know if their child's going to come home or not. I'm telling you, what happens too many times in my life is that I'm looking at my circumstances and my issues and I've taken my eyes off of Him. Amen. May I remind you and may I remind myself, He is the Creator God. He spoke everything into existence. Everything that was made was made by Him. But yet, He looked upon me, a sinner, and said, I'll save you if you just come to me. Wow. I didn't deserve it, nor did you. And if nothing else, that ought to make us fall to our knees and cry out, Holy, Holy Holy, praise the Lamb that was slain so that I could go free. 
So, Brother Mike, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Worst case scenario, you don't make it through it. What do you have waiting for you? And when we get and see him face to face, I don't think any of us are going to complain about we got a raw deal down here. We're just going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe that's what we need to do tonight. We just need to love him and thank him for what he's done for us. But my dear friend, we need to praise him for what he's going to do for us. Because that's just the kind of God he is.